This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are live in studio on this Thursday, August 5th, 2021. Your boy Q here, Unnecessary Roughness. Just coming off the heels of JT the Brick, his last show of the week. As he's headed off to Canton, Ohio. And this is going to be my last show of the week here in studio. As I'll be headed to Canton, Ohio later on this evening, flying out, going to get into uh, Cleveland about six o'clock in the morning and then make my way to Canton, Ohio, and it'll be on and popping. Very excited about that opportunity, excited about uh, heading out there and uh, honoring Coach Tom Flores and, of course, Charles Woodson as they are enshrined forever into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, the Violator as well is going to go into the Ford Hall of Fans. It's going to be pretty awesome to see him out there as well. And to see you, Raider Nation, all out there in Canton, Ohio, flooding the streets, representing in a major way. I also want to shout out real quick to Maui Jelly Factory, my guy Aaron, who's actually making it possible for me to make that trip all the way to Canton, Ohio, and uh, bring you as much coverage as possible. So uh, Raider Nation, definitely want to shout out Maui Jelly Factory. Uh, Man, you want to talk about some good products, jellies, jams, syrups, barbecue sauces. They got everything you need. All you got to do is check it out at MauiJellyFactory.com. And uh, everything is made right there in Maui. It's okay. authentic. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Demond. This, this ain't nothing to like nothing. You know, I just throwing a name onto something. No, keep talking. This no, is I the mean, real deal thing. I'm intrigued. Made on Maui by fresh fruits from Maui. So you want to talk about the real deal? You check out my guy. I do love jelly and jam. Like, I'm, oh, I'm telling man, you, uh, hey man, look, it's funny because I. I like to try a lot of different products, and I've actually sampled a lot of these jellies and jams and sauces from Maui Jelly Factory. Man, and you, you, just greatness. I mean, I, I really, greatness. You want to talk about something that sets off your meal. I, I called it earlier, putting a little, bringing a little Maui to your meal, and who doesn't want to do that, right? That's so a good one. That's a good I, I'm telling you. So shout out to uh, Maui Jelly Factory uh, for being a proud sponsor of uh, Unnecessary Roughness Hall of Fame edition that will go down all weekend long in Canton, Ohio. Uh, as I mentioned, coming off the heels of J- JT the Brick Show, he talked a lot about KJ Wright at the facility with the Raiders visiting, uh, you know, the team and and trying to kick the tires a day after they kicked the tires on free agent defensive tackle. Gerald McCoy, they signed him. Well, according to multiple reports, including from our very own Vinny Bonsignor, who does In the Huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. right after me, uh, K.J. Wright has left with no deal. So I know a lot of fans are excited and fired up. I think that'd be a really good signing if they do sign him. Apparently, he's got a few other teams that are interested in him. But that familiarity right there with Gus Bradley kind of makes you feel like if, if he's going to go somewhere that's not Seattle, he'll probably end up somewhere where he's familiar with the coaching staff, like a Dallas, where you would have uh, Dan Quinn, who was also in Seattle, or like the Las Vegas Raiders, where you'll have Gus Bradley, who was also in Seattle. If those are his two options, I think the Raiders sound like a more attractive, like a more attractive team to sign with than the Cowboys. I mean, it depends on what he's looking for. 
It really depends on what he's looking for. Both teams are, you know, franchises that are obviously have a long history. Both franchises uh, have really good offenses. Both franchises have really bad defenses. Um, I mean, there's 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 a lot that uh, a free agent could like with both teams. It really could. If he's trying to stay on the the West Coast, then yeah, I mean, the Raiders make a lot more sense. If he wants to go and uh, you know make the way to to Dallas to the DFW, then yeah, okay. There it is. <laughs> you know, then, then he would go see the Cowboys. And on top of that, who knows? Maybe he ends up somewhere else completely. Maybe he ends up back in Seattle. But uh, the, the, just just giving, giving you an update that uh, K.J. Wright has left, even though there's multiple reports out there that uh, said the Raiders have signed K.J. Wright. Now they're being uh, kind of backtracked. Now the people that have put those out are starting to backtrack and say, oh, no, maybe, never mind. You misread my tweet. No, back, your tweet back, definitely back, said... Back, back, back. <laughs> <laughs> you misread my tweet. Your tweet says Raiders have signed KJ Wright. There's nothing to, to to misread. That was the tweet. That's why you don't get out ahead of yourself. I you the wait. Word. You wait until you actually can confirm it. You don't just uh, assume that it's going to happen. Now, with that being said, I did want to get an inside track on why the Seattle Seahawks aren't bringing KJ Wright back, or look like they're not going to bring him back, as he's a guy that was a really good player for them in 2020. So coming up on the show in a matter of minutes, as a matter of fact, Curtis Crabtree, uh, he does a really good job with Sports Radio KJR up in the Seattle area, covers the Seahawks like a glove. He's going to join us to talk about KJ Wright. Talk about KJ Wright. Maybe he'll give us a little bit of an update on what the the issue is besides he's getting a little older in the tooth. Maybe he doesn't want they don't want to pay the money. I don't know. I don't know why they wouldn't want to bring him back. I think that they, he's a really good piece to the puzzle. He did some really good things last season uh, with the Seattle Seahawks at the linebacker position. I think he'd immediately be a huge upgrade to the Raiders linebacking core, but right now they're not signing him. Not right now. I think that's what that's kind of what I was alluding to when I said, oh, the Raiders would be more attractive because I think if he comes to the Raiders, you're starting. You're starting day one. I mean, obviously, you, that's have, to true. Earn, you have to earn. No, I'm that's not true. That he's not going to come here and not work hard. No, but, but you know, but you're right. He's a starter. Yeah, no, you're right. You're a starter because in Dallas, they do have, you know, they have Michael Parsons. They just they just drafted him. He's going to be a starter. They have Jalen Smith. Very questionable. They have, uh, you know, they have Leighton Van Der Esch. Very questionable. That's a guy that gets injured quite a bit. But you're right. If he uh, ends up in, in Las Vegas with the Raiders, then yeah. He, he's a starter immediately, and I think that that means that Nick Kukowski is a guy that probably is is a depth piece, and you don't really give a guy a big-time contract, uh, you know, a free agent contract to make him uh, a second stringer or a depth piece, but that was a different that was a different coaching regime, and so you got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, I think some of these players that are already on the Raiders roster are tired of them kicking the tires because I know everybody's like, well, oh, we all, wanna, game up. We, we all want to win, but it's like, hey, man, you bring in people that's going to take my job. Well, I mean, then that, then that means that they need to look in the mirror <laughs> and figure out why they're being replaced. Straight up. I, I think that that's actually a good thing. You know, I mean, if, if all of a sudden, you know, you were coming in here to the radio station, I was like, oh, no, Damon, you're good. Uh, I got homeboy to fill in for you today. Or, hey, I got, I got my homeboy from Texas is coming in to visit. Oh, I'm just going to have him. I mean, exactly. But then you're probably going to look and say, well, okay, well, has Cuban mad at me this week? Exactly. Has there something gone wrong? You want some better regional? You want some bromos? What you need? <laughs> exactly. Motivation. Motivation. Sometimes you need that kick in the pants to get you going. Now, I don't think it should take a, a, a guy to see, uh, you know, a veteran come in that could potentially take his place to get him motivated to go out there. But maybe maybe it gets him a little bit more focused. And, and then again, They've, they've practiced seven days. Maybe Coach Gruden, Gus Bradley, Richard Smith, maybe they haven't seen what they want to see yet. Maybe they haven't seen that guy. You know, maybe they haven't seen what they thought that they had. And I said this yesterday with Gerald McCoy, and I'll say it again with K.J. Wright, regardless of what happens with them. Now is when you want them to do this. I don't want them to all of a sudden, five weeks into the season, say, you know what, our linebacking core sucks. 
We need to go out and get, you know what I'm saying? Like, and let's just, let's just be blunt about it. Man, we should have thought about that in the offseason. Exactly. Because then what would the Raider Nation be calling up the, the, the line saying? Why didn't you do this at training camp? Why is it waiting until the season? Or if Gerald McCoy signed somewhere else and had a two-sack game. Right. We brought him in for a visit. Why could've, didn't we sign could've him? Could have had that guy. Could have had that guy. What's our defensive tackle? That's what you'd hear. That's what you'd hear. So I'd much rather them tinker with the, the roster right now. And maybe put some guys on notice. I'm not mad at that at all. Curtis Crabtree, he'll join us in a matter of minutes to talk all things KJ Wright. Also talk a little Gus Bradley. 2.30, our regular Thursday guest, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He'll join us to talk all things NFL. There's a report out there that the Eagles and the Texans are close to making a trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't think that that's true. I think that's BS. So we'll ask John McClain about that straight up. Uh, I, I just, I'm not buying that. But again, these reports are out there and everyone's a reporter. Everyone's on Twitter uh, and they have a scoop and they have a source. So we'll talk to John McClain, all things uh, NFL related as well as the Hall of Fame game that gets started tonight. Uh, that means that the 2021 preseason gets underway tonight. Cowboys and the Steelers from Canton, Ohio. And then at 3.30, RJ Achoa from Blogging the Boys. He covers the Cowboys like a glove. He also works for ESPN San Antonio. He'll join us to talk about the latest uh, signing for the Raiders, official signing, because K.J. Wright is not a signing, but uh, Gerald McCoy, defensive tackle who signed yesterday. He'll join us to talk all things Gerald McCoy. But right now on the phone line, as promised, Curtis Crabtree, Seahawks from Seahawks reporter for Sports Radio KJR is on uh, on the line, and we definitely appreciate you, Curtis. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, KJ Wright did not sign with the Raiders. He actually left, uh, but he did have a he did have a workout. But I just wanted to kind of quickly ask you a few questions about KJ, and in particular. Why is Seattle not bringing him back? Is it just age? Is it money? Is it a combination of both? What What does your gut feeling tell you about K.J. Wright and the Seahawks? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. The thing is, he's coming off a really good season for Seattle, but they did draft Jordan Brooks as their first-round pick a year ago and really over the second half of last season. It looks like he's ready to step into a full-time starting role in his own. And the issue is that basically K.J. and Brooks are – their, their main position is the same position. They're both off-ball, weak-side linebackers in Seattle's team. And in order for Brooks to fully get the, the runway to play, you have, it means you have to lessen K.J.'s playing time one way or another. And the way they did that last year was they had um, K.J. be their main base linebacker, but then in nickel, Brooks would be the, the weak-side guy with K.J. playing the Sam, uh, Sam linebacker spot instead. And that worked out great for them last year. But I don't know that you're going to go out and sign K.J. Wright at the money he deserves to get to be a part-time Sam linebacker from this year if they're going to give that runway to, to, to Jordan Brooks. So I think what they're doing at the moment is just trying to let the, the guys at the Sam linebacker spot that they have, last year's second-round pick, Daryl Taylor, who missed all of last season because of an injury, maybe Alden Smith in some circumstances, some other guys like that, prove that they don't need him for that role right now in training camp. If it gets that they're a little bit thin and they don't like what they're seeing about as camp goes on, they might revisit the KJ thing. They're certainly on good terms with them. But I think that's kind of why they are in the position they are right now. Talking right now with Curtis Crabtree. Covers the Seahawks like a glove here on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, here's some stats for you. How about uh, KJ had 10-plus tackles for loss, I think 11 to be exact last season, plus he had uh, 11, or 10 breakups. Uh, he was the only linebacker in the NFL to do that. Uh, that sounds like something that would fit really well in this Gus Bradley scheme that the Raiders are trying to implement this, uh, this upcoming season. How much of that kind of a high-level play do you think KJ still has in the tank? KJ was outstanding last year. He, he really was. It looked like uh, after the the 2018 season where he was dealing with some, some injuries that 
you know, maybe he wouldn't be able to get back to quite that level of play despite still being a very quality, good linebacker still and all of that. And he really flipped that script last year to where he was back to his full strength and playing outstanding football, even with the position change, which he wasn't, you know, super fond of because he likes playing off the ball much more than being on the line of scrimmage. But, um, you know, obviously there's familiarity there with Gus from Gus's time as the defensive coordinator up here. It would make a lot of sense on that regard. He could probably jump in and get running real quick. I know he's been continuing to work out with a lot of guys up that are in the area here that aren't still with NFL jobs, guys like Richard Sherman and Michael Kendricks and, and, and stuff like that, guys who live here in the Seattle area. So he's, he's going to be ready to go for, for somebody, whether it's back here in Seattle, whether it's with the Raiders. KJ's still got some life left in him for sure, and um, I, he 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 absolutely deserves to be on an NFL roster somewhere this season. Curtis, we've been talking a lot this offseason about the defense of the Raiders and Gus Bradley and what he brings to the table. And to me, just being out at training camp, being able to see these players, it just seems like these guys are not thinking; they're just kind of flying around to the ball. And and of course, you can't really tell the speed right now because they're not going one hundred percent all every day. They've only had two padded practices so far. But what is it about Gus Bradley's scheme that makes makes these guys kind of understand it a lot quicker, especially young guys, and able to just go ahead and execute? Well, at least from, from his time up here in Seattle and working under Pete Carroll for a while and all of that, their defense isn't complicated. It's we're going to be better than you at this. And, you know, we're going to play our cover three scheme. We're not going to make it all that, that you know, crazy and, and scheme it up all left and right. It's not Rex Ryan's defense where you got guys blitzing from all over the place and all these different roles interchanging. Like guys know what they're supposed to do. And because they know what they're supposed to do, they're able to play fast and play it well. It takes you know, there's that means there's gonna be some holes in certain coverages and stuff you gotta compensate for and teams, you know, can try to attack things in certain ways and all of that. But in general they just do what they do and they do it very, very well. It helps when you were as talented as the defense was they had here in Seattle to make that all come together and happen, too. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's part of the, the philosophy. Is like You play faster and quicker and better when you are confident in what you're doing. And I think their defense kind of allows them to do that fairly easily compared to some other schemes that are out there. Talking right now with Curtis Crabtree from Sports Radio KJR up in Seattle. Covers the Seattle Seahawks like a glove. You can find him on Twitter at Curtis underscore Crabtree. And uh, we've had other guys on the show talk about the defense and, you know, what it really uh, – what – area of the defense it serves the most you know is it the secondary is it the linebackers defensive line from your you know knowledge of this Gus Bradley scheme uh who does it benefit the most the secondary linebackers defensive line what would you think I mean I I, from the time up here in Seattle I mean they all kind of did pretty well together like yes Seattle's defense was focused around its secondary but they had some good guys on the line of scrimmage too and then Bobby Wagner kind of his selection there in 2012 kind of brought everything together like it gives opportunities for everybody to have a chance to succeed. Uh, and I, I think at least with Pete Carroll, um, relating it to here, his being a secondary coach and, you know, that kind of being Gus Bradley's background too, it probably skews that way a little bit more um, in general. But at the end of the day, like it's, it's a, a run and tackle scheme for linebackers where the reads are pretty, pretty, straightforward and they're able to understand things well and you know the defensive scheme it's it can be you know it's a hybrid group uh hybrid scheme that they play up front to where they some three four concepts some four three concepts and they can kind of change it and cater to the skill sets of the guys that they have on that particular roster in a given year so i think it's 
pretty player friendly and and something they can then can mold and adjust to see fit for the for the roster that they're working with. There it is right there. That is Curtis Crabtree. Uh, covers the Seattle Seahawks like a glove. Getting it started today on Unnecessary Roughness. Just talking a little bit of K.J. Wright and also Gus Bradley. And uh, Curtis, thank you so much for your time, my man. Just wanted to check in with you, see how, how uh, things were going with K.J. and also get a little bit of background on Gus Bradley's scheme, a little bit more background on Gus Bradley's scheme. Uh, do you plan on being in Vegas for uh, next weekend, August 14th, when the Seahawks uh, play the Raiders for, uh, for, a, tra- uh, for a preseason game? I, I don't know if I'll be there for the preseason game, but uh, there's a chance that I could get down there for the Kraken opener uh, ah. against the Golden Knights um, coming up. Uh, I think what is it Oct- October when that uh, when the yeah. NFL season kicks off for right. the first time here for Seattle. Um, we're the radio home of the, the Kraken up here, and I think there's a chance that uh, I could find myself down there for that. Uh, kickoff night, which would be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Nice, and, and it's awesome that uh, the Seahawks and, and the Seattle area and, and the Raider fan base are sharing uh, Marshawn Lynch as well, and of course he was there for the Kraken, and you know, to, to name some of the players, and he's going to be here for that Seahawk and, and, and Raider game as far as the uh, the, the preseason game goes, so uh, yeah, man, whenever you get down here, man, definitely holler at me. Uh, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of your knowledge, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, all the best to you guys, and Gus and KJ as well. They're two of the, my more favorite people I've covered here in my time covering the Seahawks. They're great. They're great, both great dudes. So whatever comes for, for both of them, I wish them the best. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Curtis. That's Curtis Crabtree right there. Sports Radio KJR up in Seattle covers the Seahawks like a glove. Just wanted to check in with them real quick uh, with KJ Wright being in town visiting the Raiders again. He left without a deal. There's uh, multiple teams that are interested in him. You heard Curtis right there. He could play at a very high level still, so that is something to get excited about, Raider Nation. I heard JT talking about KJ for a good I don't know, a long time throughout the course of his two-hour show and just talking about how he'd be an upgrade to the linebacking core, and there's no doubt about it. There's a lot of things to like about K.J. Wright if the Raiders eventually do pull the trigger on bringing him in. Also reported earlier today to Sean Reed from The Athletic put it out there that Jalen Richard, who just came back from COVID-19, the reserve list, he is out with a foot injury, and according to Vinny, looks like he's going to be out a couple weeks. And I'll tell you right now, I don't want to rule anybody off the roster. I don't want to say, hey, your time with the Raiders is done. But I'll tell you, man, this guy has not gotten off to a very good training camp. I mean, it just hasn't gone very well for him. I don't wish COVID on anybody. I don't wish injury on anybody. But sometimes it's just how things shake out. And well, so far for Jalen Richard, it just hasn't been very good. I think he's been out there for practice two days. And now he's out again because of injury. And we always say, and I know people get tired and they roll their eyes and say, I hate cliches, but... Your best avail- ability is availability. Yeah, he's a walking case of you hate to see it. It's just like man, and he's COVID, done some good. He's done some it. really good things for the Raiders over the course of his career. You know, I'm not trying to write him off, but not a good start to this 2021 training camp when we all know. Even though John Gruden's not going to come on the radio and he's not going to tell JT and he's not going to tell me and he's not going to tell anyone else that hey, we have to win it all this year, or this, that, and the other. I know that he wants to win, and if you're not available or you're you're in and out of practice, I don't think he's going to put up with it. I just really don't. So. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Jalen Richard, but a, a, a setback, another setback for him. He may miss up to a couple weeks of training camp. Just not a good way to get things started. 219 is the time. Talking, talking about getting started, getting things started. That was a great way to get it started with uh, Curtis Crabtree talking about, uh, talking about KJ Wright and also talking about Gus Bradley. When we come back, before we get to John McClain, John McClain will join us at 230 to talk all things NFL. Before we get to that, the governor is speaking about COVID-19. There's a few little notes that he, uh, that he he's said already. He's talking, and uh, there's multiple outlets that are streaming it right now. I was thinking about running it live, depending on what he said. I don't need to run it live based off what he said, 
but I will pass along a couple notes, and we'll do that next here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> hey, Raider, hey, Raider Nation, this is Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Radio Station 920. Say Raider Nation Radio 920. Raider Nation Radio Station 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. I'll never get old right there. That'll never get old. Love hearing Marcus Allen kind of fumbling over that. And it's kind of funny to put the fumbling and Marcus Allen together, right? You know, something that, uh, you know, we're not... I'm not going to talk about any fumbling with Marcus Allen. We're going to talk about the greatness of Marcus Allen as we're headed to Canton, Ohio uh, after the show today. I'm very excited about that. Headed out to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Just had a buddy hit me up on uh, by way of text message and say, go out and get that interview. And you know exactly what interview he was talking about, Devon. The interview. What interview is it? Charles Woodson. That's right. It's at the top of the food chain. I'm not coming back. I'm not leaving Canton, Ohio without the Charles Woodson interview one way or the other. It's going to happen. I promise you. It's on the bucket list. It will get done. If I do not return to Las Vegas, that's why. <laughs> oh, you're just like, I, I failed? I'm just, like, just going to hang out with David Baker at the Hall of Fame. Oh, man, that, that sounds like a good time. He's going to knock on doors, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call phones. <laughs> I'm going to ring ring up, ring up, your phone. That's what I'm going to do, and he's going to knock on doors. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get that interview coming up uh, sometime this weekend, Hall of Fame weekend. Very excited about that. And I do have a question that I want to throw out there uh, to Raider Nation, but we'll get to that in a few minutes. We also have John McClain from the Houston Chronicle coming up at 2.30 to talk all things NFL. But wanted to update you. I saw this earlier, our good friend at Fox 5 Las Vegas, they put out that uh, Governor Sisolak was going to talk and make a statement about COVID-19 at 2 p.m. And so I immediately thought, well, you got to think the worst. Think, oh, no, you know, what's going to be the update? We all know that uh, the COVID numbers have been rising. There's, you know, the mask mandate is back in in order already. I have a buddy that's flying in from Texas. This matter of fact, he's on a plane right now. And uh, (laughs) I sent him a text when he sent he sent me a picture of him and his wife on the plane headed this way. And I said, well, the governor is going to talk to us about COVID at 2 p.m. And he hit me back. Great. <laughs> you know, not not knowing what was going to happen, around. not knowing what was going to happen. But um, no, it's not. It's it's not a it's not an all great type moment. But uh, Governor Sisolak did have a couple things to say, and I'll take a couple notes from him. He said, first off, right away, I'm not here today to announce capacity limits or closures or, or anything like that. Woo. <laughs> right. That's the. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a that's a huge sigh of relief because that immediately is the first thing I thought of. Uh, he also said everything we are currently doing is aimed at preventing such a scenario. So that is also a really, really good sign. Now, he said, let me be clear. Vaccines are the way out of this pandemic. Uh, in discussing the need for masks, Sisolak said the Delta variant represents more than 90 percent of cases in Nevada. Uh, then he also went on to say uh, the Delta variant is spreading like a wildfire in the state. Almost every COVID-19 death since, two, since January 2021 is individuals who, not, who have not been vaccinated against the virus. And then he finally says it takes almost 19,000 Nevadans rolling up their sleeves to move the state up one percentage point. So good things, not closing anything. Bad things, still got work to do. Yeah, it was, uh, it was like at first I was like a little relieved, like, oh, man, he's just telling us that we're making the right steps and 
things are they could be better, but it seems like things are fine. But it's like, oh no, they're not. Well, no, I mean he's, he's saying that hey, what we're working on right now is to try to get to where it is good, which is a good thing. That's what you want. You, you know, you don't want to automatic. Well, things aren't going the right way, or there's you know there's some cases popping up, so let's just go ahead and, and shut everything down. That's what you don't want. That's what nobody wants. Nobody, and I'm talking about not just from a sports st- uh, standpoint. I mean nobody. Nobody wants that. So that was just the update right there from Governor Sisolak a little bit uh, earlier today. Matter of fact, two o'clock, he he got on and made a statement. And like I said, that was from uh, our good friends over at Fox five. So just wanted to pass that along again. I thought about running the whole thing uh, or not the whole thing, but running some of it live just because I didn't know what was going to be said and how, you know, severe it was going to be, if it was going to be severe, uh, if it was going to be something that was, you know, I saw a lot of Raider fans hitting up on on Twitter saying, Oh, great. It's going to be another year with no fans in the stands. And I mean, again, when you hear that he's going to make a statement, you kind of feel like, hey, man, it could be – It could. you think the worst, right? You think the worst. You prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Oh, yeah. If it would have been like, oh, yeah, indoor events are just canceled. Oh, man. No, I wouldn't gonna, yeah, I wouldn't going to say canceled. But, but, you know, yeah. Just but no people, fans. Yeah, yeah, of course. But people would have lost their minds. Of course. I mean, it just it's it's not what anyone wants. So I'm not here to tell you what to do with your, your, yourself and, and, and your life, and I'm not telling you how to operate. Just telling you I'm just passing along. Again, just the messenger. Passing along what the governor has said. That's all I'm doing. Just letting you know. I think we all kind of want to stay at a sense of normalcy. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the, the latest and the greatest. Uh, coming up in a matter of seconds, we'll have John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. We'll start things off talking about Deshaun Watson and his situation there in Houston. And is there any chance that the Philadelphia Eagles are thinking about making a trade for him? I do not believe that that is true. But, again, that's the reports that are out there right now. So we'll see uh, what the general, I'd like to call him the general, what John McClain has to say about that as he's been on the Texans beat for a very long time and he knows exactly what is going on in H-Town. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll We'll talk to him about the Hall of Fame game that's going on tonight that's going to kick off the 2021 preseason. Not a whole lot of action. Probably by halftime, everyone will just have it on as background noise and not really paying attention to the outcome. But just to know that, you know, football is actually back and it's it's something again that always feels good. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and get to John McClain. It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And pleased to have now on the phone lines is John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And John, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, football's back. You know, the preseason gets started tonight with the Hall of Fame game. And I know it's not something that everyone's going to be locked and loaded to their TV and just, you know, soaking up every minute. But just to see some football activities going on tonight in Canton, Ohio. Uh, what's your thoughts, John? It's always good when teams that have been at training camp start to play and see different jerseys on the other side of the field. This time next week, I'll be getting ready to go to Green Bay for the Texans' first preseason game against the Packers. You know, this, except for two teams this week that we're involved in right now, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's weird because last week camp started next week at preparing for the first game. This is kind of an in-between. You put on pads for the first time. It raises the intensity level of practice. But until you see players going against players on other teams, you don't really have an accurate barometer about where they stand. You know, a lot of teams and a lot of fans and a lot of players, you know, talk about preseason games and they're not big fans of it. How important, though, are those scrimmages, the ones where you don't see them? They're not an actual game, but they're in a practice setting, but they're going up, like you said, against another team. Well, just 
coaches love joint practices more than preseason games. And the reason for that, Q, is you can control what happens. The coaches get ahead of, meet ahead of time, and they have a game plan on both sides of the ball. And then until it's, until it's completed, they go at it. And that's better than having a preseason game. The only advantage to a preseason game is you get to play the players. You do see everybody get hit, including the quarterbacks. Is why you see a guy like Mason Rudolph starting. And I know people are really fired up about that. <laughs> but that's just the nature of the preseason. It's shorter for all teams uh, this year. And, and that's a good thing because I've never liked them. Cue my first training camp in 1977. They played six preseason games. Whoa. They had a week of rookie camp before the veterans came in. Training camp was like eight weeks, and it was like it would never end. But the way they did it to ramp up for the season Starters would play a little the first game, a little more the second. By the time they played the last preseason game, they'd play three quarters to be ready for the start of regular season. In the past, you know, they have not played starters in that last preseason game. So I'm guessing now with three, you're going to see the teams play the starters in the last one because they have two weeks before the start of the season. If you gave your starters the last week of preseason off, that means it's going to be three weeks before they play a game. I don't think head coaches want that much inactivity. Talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And, of course, here with us on Unnecessary Roughness every Thursday at 2.30. And, John, uh, a report came out yesterday about Deshaun Watson and the Eagles and the Texans possibly making a trade. I don't believe that stuff until I talk to you. So what is the latest and the greatest with Deshaun? Well, first of all, there's nobody about to make a trade for Watson. There's no change in the situation as far as legalities. Still has 22 civil lawsuits accusing him of sexual misconduct and assault. He has an NFL investigation, a police investigation. There have been 10 complaints filed against him. You know, the grand jury could indict him. There's so much uncertainty. Nobody's going to make an offer to take a player you might not have this year. He could be suspended. He could go to jail. He could be exonerated. There's just too much of a lack of clarity. At some point, Q, he'll be traded. We know that. He'll never take another snap here. But right now, he's going to team meetings, and he's not going on the practice field anymore because he hurt his, uh, I think yesterday it was his ankle and his calf. And I said he hurt him because his foot fell asleep from kneeling on the (laughs) sideline when he stood up. He sprained it, but... uh, so as long as he's getting rehab and he's going to the meetings, then things are not normal. Everything here is abnormal, but he can't be fined. And they could wait to see it, let it play out, or they could, if they wanted to, they could give him excused absences. But why would they do him any favors? Right. He certainly hasn't done them any favors. So as far as a trade, it'll happen eventually, but nothing is imminent. Where I guess this may be a dumb question, but where do these kind of reports where they come out and say they're so close and they're about to be a big trade made, and it's like, where does where do they even get these from, John? No idea, Q. I, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> obviously people, when they put out a report, they think they have good information. The thing is today, like, I could write just about anything, and they're not going to say anything. They never respond to anything. I could say he's going to be traded for Derek Carr yesterday. And it's not true, but man, think of the attention it would get. Right. And uh, but that's the way it is today. There's no accountability, and you just have to accept it. And eventually, it could be right. It could be traded to Philadelphia. 
Right. Absolutely. We're talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness. And sticking with the AFC South, man, I mean, you want to talk about the Colts getting snake bit. They've been hit with the injury bug. Carson Wentz and guard Quentin Nelson both go down with the same injury. They look like they're going to be out five to 12 weeks, uh, anywhere in between that, which is a super large window. But uh, when you look at the AFC South now, I mean, it almost feels like it's the Tennessee Titans division to lose. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the Titans are heavily favored anyway. Remember, Q, they averaged 31 points a game last season, and that was without Elio Jones. Their offense is prolific. Nobody's got the balance that the Titans do. Their defense has got to be better. It was mediocre last year, and they still won the division. And, you know, it's not what you do in September and October, right. November and December. And if Carson Wentz comes back healthy and Quentin Nelson comes back healthy, they could be really good in November in December, their opening schedule is brutal until they get to the Texans. So if Carson Wentz were playing, they still could start off terribly. And I think they will. I believe the thing that most makes the most sense, kids, trade for Nick Foles. Have him reunited with Frank Reich and Carson Wentz like they were in Philadelphia. He's a third quarterback in the Bears making more money than the first two combined. You don't want an expensive veteran as your third quarterback. He's there to be traded, and I think they should trade him to the Colts and put conditions on it uh, based on how much he plays, and that would help the Colts, I guess, although, you know, Foles has not, not, has not done much right. anywhere but that one season with the Eagles that culminated in a Super Bowl victory. Absolutely. And, John, uh, I saw that uh, RG3, he's joining ESPN. He's going to be a, a studio analyst. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I know he's a really good football mind just from the few conversations I've had with him. But uh, as a former Baylor Bear and a Baylor Bear alum as you are, uh, what are your thoughts on, on RG3 joining the studio? Well, I know Robert Griffin III a little bit, and I followed his career closely since he came to Baylor, and then he won the Heisman Trophy. He's always been an outstanding talker. He had, he had offers from ESPN and Fox, and I told him, I said, I hope he goes to ESPN. I'd love to see him on College Game Day, which I watch every Saturday. I think it'd be tremendous whether he was an analyst uh, at a game or a studio host, and he still has that itch to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. You know, 2012 NFL rookie of the year, then blew out his knee and his ankle really was never the same and he's a really good guy, so I wish him the best. And whatever he does on TV, I think he's going to be outstanding. Talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, we mentioned the Cowboys and the Steelers for the, the Hall of Fame game, but most importantly, John, it's the weekend. The Hall of Fame festivities. I'll be flying out to Canton later on this evening. I'm excited about that to see Coach Flores and Charles Woodson get inducted into the Hall. But, I mean, how amazing should this weekend be, especially with all the, all the members that are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? I bet first time I went to the Hall of Fame was for a, an Oilers-Giants game in 1985 when Joe Namath, O.J. Simpson, Roger Staubach, and Pete Rozelle were inducted. Since then, I've been on the committee for – I'm on the selection committee, the coaches committee, the seniors committee, and it's such an honor. And I used to go every year. And now, since I cover the Texans, I don't go. But going on that weekend, induction weekend – is so special. And one of the greatest honors I've had in all my decades of covering the NFL, one year or two, uh, they let me go into the Hall of Fame about 3 in the morning when it was totally shut down, wow. all the alarms were on. And I just walked through the Hall of Fame, and it was 
And I wrote a column about it, what it was like to walk through and go in all the rooms, especially the rooms where all the busts are. Mm-hmm. And it was just an amazing experience. You're going to have a blast, one of a kind. I tell everybody, and I'll tell all your listeners, you want to, if you like the NFL, go to Canton, Ohio, in the Hall of Fame, and go to Green Bay, Lambeau Field, where I'll be next week. I've been to the Hall of Fame probably 25 times. I've been to Lambeau at least 10 or 15 times, and I never get tired of going back to either one of those spots. And I can't wait to get to come to Las Vegas to see the Raiders in the stadium. Yeah, man, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait till you get out here as well. I've been having a blast since I've been here uh, about a month now, so I'm, I'm very excited about that. And, you know, John, earlier this week we had uh, your really good buddy, Shereen Williams, on the show as well. Both of you you, you two are, are Hall of Famers, and, and I know, you know, you're not from playing, but from what you guys do as far as your coverage of the NFL, and you've been doing it for many moons and doing a great job, what does it mean just from your guys' standpoint to be a Hall of Famer? It's the greatest honor you could have in our profession. In 2006, I was voted the Dick McCann Memorial Award by the Pro Football Writers of America. They do one a year, and it's for, like, long and distinguished coverage of the NFL. And in 2006, I got to ride in the parade. Shereen was my presenter. I was in a Corvette convertible. She was in the passenger seat. My wife and I were on the back. There was 150,000 people there. It was just unbelievable. I got to make a speech on the dais at the induction banquet at the Harvard Civic Center. It will be the greatest honor I have ever received. Talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on uh, on Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. And, John, I wanted to ask you, because I know you've been covering the Texans, but before that you were covering the Oilers. And Richard Smith is the Raiders linebackers coach, and he goes all the way back to the Houston Oilers. He was a coach there on the staff uh, in Houston. What, do you, what can you tell us about Richard Smith? What kind of a coach is he? Early in his career, Richard was a maniac, and he worked for a maniac during Glanville. Richard was a special teams coach. Then he became a linebacker's coach, defensive coordinator, great guy. You do me a favor when you see him, ask him if he brought his Army helmets to Las Vegas. Okay. And what that was, when he was a special teams coach here, he would give the special teams player of the week an Army helmet like from World War II to wear in the pregame of the next game. And I remember one time the 49ers beat them, and Joe Montana said afterwards, we're going through stretching, and all of a sudden we look up, and here come these guys in oiler uniforms, and one's wearing an Army helmet, and others are marching behind him, and they walk through our warm-ups. Nobody does that. <laughs> uh, but Richard's a really good guy character, and he had, he's been around the NFL a long time. But I'll guarantee you, he had fun in Houston because he helped the Oilers go to the playoffs seven consecutive years, more than anybody in the NFL during what we call the run-and-shoot era with Warren Moon, Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, all in the Hall of Fame. And you tell Richard, I said, I wish him the very best. I will. I absolutely will. And I, I just wrote that little note down in my phone, so I do not forget. I'm going to ask him about the Army helmets, and I'll definitely let you know what he says about that. I'm sure he'll get a, a kick out of that one. That's a that's a great little nugget to have. That's the the great John McClain from the Houston Chronicle on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And, John, what do you have coming out on Texas Sports Nation that NFL fans should be on the lookout for? That's our, our sports website at the Chronicle. I've got columns, podcasts, videos, TV snippets, blogs, notes, everything you could want in coverage of the NFL and the team. And also, Jonathan Owens, the Texans' safety. 
And, and Simone Biles' boyfriend talked to us the day after practice about her coming home today and how excited he was you know, about everything that went on with her in Tokyo. And I've got a huge story on TexasSportsNation.com about that. Thank you for having me on every week. I appreciate it. And, Q, I hope you have a great rest of the day and night. And have fun in Canton. I will. I will. And I'll definitely check out that article as well. Thank you so much for your time, John. I appreciate you. Thank you, Q. All right, there he goes, the great John McClain right there, the Hall of Famer John McClain. And, man, that, that Army helmet story, I cannot wait to pass that along to Richard Smith. He's going to look at me like, how in the world did you know about that? Those are the kind of nuggets that you just don't know until you know. And so, yeah, I cannot wait to get an opportunity. I don't know when we're going to get to talk to Richard Smith, if we're going we to get to talk to him. him now just to bring up that I story. mean, all that, you think I'm not? I mean, I'm on, the, I'm on the phone with Will Kiss right now. I know we're on the air and we're talking live, but I'm talking to him at the same time. Yeah, I had to pull up his pro football reference to see, and it's like, that's like 30 years ago. That's, and it's just, but it's just, I'm like, oh, man, okay, Oilers, okay, here we are, yeah, all right. like 90s, and I'm like, okay. Which just shows you that I pay attention because where I, how I knew that he was uh, a member of the coaching staff there with Houston Oilers was John Gruden said it the other day when I asked about Ron, uh, not Ron Milas. Oh, yeah, Ron Milas, and I asked about Richard Smith and how are the young guys taking to these guys. And John Gruden said, well, Richard Smith is an old school coach. You know, he goes all the way back to the Houston Oilers. And as soon as he said Houston Oilers, the first thing I thought of, was John McClain. I was like, oh man, Thursday when we talk to talk to John, we'll have to ask about Richard Smith and the Houston Oilers and how he was a coach there. And so uh, that's that's fun. That's fun and exciting. I would love how cool would that be to see a <laughs> to see one of the Raiders roll out, come running out the locker room at Allegiant Stadium with an army helmet on. I think oh, that'd, that'd be, be awesome. Great. That'd be awesome. I'm down for it. I'm down with it. Though. So thank you to John McClain uh, for the time that he uh, he gives us each and every week. It's always fun to catch up with him. It is 2.45. We'll come back. We'll close out hour number one. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. My boy looking fly. I have to drop it after DeMond backs up and says that Trent Brown's his boy. And I think you said that, what, three times? Never, never said he was my boy. You definitely said my boy. You definitely said my boy. My boy. I give it to you. you Welcome got me back there. to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. You know, I never understood why you said you never said my boy, and you clearly said my boy in that. I never understood that, Damon. Because, you know, you just got to deny, 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 deny. I mean, and it's I never, recorded, and you I consistently run it back. I, I know, but I just never said, you know, because I got caught. I, I got caught. Clearly. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny in the moment, but in the moment, I just thought, uh, you know, he's not going to catch that. Yeah, I caught he's not, it. He's not going to remember that. Oh, I, said I remembered it. it. I'll always remember it. I remember everything. I thought maybe I was going to get off on a technicality. I have a great memory, by the way. Like, you just proved it with the Richard Smith. Exactly. Yeah, but it's like, maybe it was like a technicality. Like, I said my guy, you said my boy. So, technically, I didn't say my boy. But no, I said my boy. You definitely said my boy. But it's okay. I just wanted to, I just want to clear that up because I was kind of wondering why you're denying it when it was there. But it's okay. I got it now. I'm understanding what you're, what you're laying down. I'm picking up what you're laying down. 2.50 is the time here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Many thanks to Curtis Crabtree, who joined us early in the show, and then John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. This first hour has been flying by. I'm very excited about, well, this is the last show I'm doing in studio, and I'm not Excited because that's the last show I'm doing in the studio for the week. But the fact that I'll be in Canton, Ohio tomorrow doing the show, it's going to be a lot of fun. The Hall of Fame, it doesn't get any better than that. So I'll be there. Uh, fingers crossed that everything goes good with the plane. I mean, that's the thing. Normally, I'm the guy you have to wonder about if my, my plane is going to be all good anyway because I always have the flight troubles. I have the worst flight. I mean, honestly, Damon, and I, I guess I can't tell you because you've had bad flat, uh, flight issues as of late as well. But 
I'm probably not the guy you want to go fly with. You know, you probably don't want to go with me on a flight because somehow I always have some kind of issues. My plane gets delayed. Uh, they leave without me, uh, even though I'm on time. Oh, uh, man. I've had, I don't even I don't you even want to go think there. You're there in time, but the TSA lines like backed out. No. Like, oh, man. No. That's happened to me before. Doc, like I had a time. The TSA line was just so long. By and the time I, I got to the gate, I don't, mean to, de- I don't mean to derail anything. I don't. But I had a time when I was in Central Texas where it was a very small airport. So it's so small that you walk in the front door and you're at the gate. Like you're at the gate. Okay. You walk in and I got there and I was going out to El Paso because little Q was on a recruiting trip to UTEP. So they had paid for my flight, paid for his flight. We were going to meet. He was flying in from Fresno. I was flying in from Texas. Shout out to UTEP. We were going to meet in El Paso. All I had to do was get on the flight. I get there, and I'm telling you, like, it's walking in the studio. It's like walking through this door, and you're in the studio, right? The studio's not big, all right? I'm right here at the mic the minute I walk in. I walk in. There is not a soul in sight. Every, everyone <laughs> is gone. There's no one at the, at, the, uh, at the gate, nothing. And so I said, okay. I, I walked up there. I said, hey, uh, I just got to check in for my flight. It's, it takes off in an hour. It was an hour ahead of time. And the lady said, oh, the gate's already closed. And I said, what do you mean the gate's already closed? Like, the gate's right there. And she said, oh, yeah, but... We have everybody in the back. And I was like, what do you mean? The back is right there. Like, I'm looking at the back. That's how close I am. I'm looking at the back. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you needed to get here probably like an hour, an hour and a half ago. I was like, for what? There's nobody here. Like, I'm the only swinging D here. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Well, and, so we're going to have to ask you to calm down. No, well, that's, that's the thing. Like, I realized, it, good thing it wasn't young Q, because young Q would have flipped out. But older Q is like, you can't flip out in the airport because it's all bad. So, long story short, she would not let me get on the flight. And so she made me miss my flight, even though I'm staring at the gate. I'm looking at the runway where people walk to the plane, and they hadn't even started boarding the plane yet. And I kept telling her, I was like, you do realize you haven't even started boarding the plane. I can easily just walk through the turnstile right here and be there. Oh, yeah, no, we, we've already shut down our computers. And I was like, that sounds like a you issue, not a me issue. And she was not having it. She so. wasn't trying to do no extra work. No, she wasn't having it, dog. So that was one of my terrible experiences that I had. I thought this was going to be like the airport was closed. Like you went to the airport and they're like, this airport hasn't been operational in no, 10 years. No, they just they just weren't having it. <laughs> so then they made me wait. So little Q's in El Paso by himself, which is bad parenting. Terrible parenting. <laughs> you got a recruiting trip for you and your and your you know your parents. And so, hey, you know, my dad's going to go. And he's going to meet me there. Great. That's cool. My dad knows all this sports stuff, and so he knows, you know, he's the guy. Let me lean even plugged you. Oh, you know, yeah, let me lean on my dad a little bit. Hey, little Q, where's your dad? I don't know. No show. Terrible parenting. Those bad fathers. The same guy who does the radio show? Yeah, that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can hear him on the radio, but he's not here in person. We know what his priorities are. So, yeah, that was a bad moment. But we ended up making it work. But it was, was, oh, such a terrible trip, dog. Such a terrible trip. I'm telling you, if I had been young, it would have been a wrap. It would have been it's a wrap. It's so funny that you just go somewhere. I've never been somewhere where they just refuse me service off the basis of we didn't want to work anymore No, today. that's what I'm saying. Like, it was, it could have been so avoided. Could have easily been, okay, let me turn on my computer and just punch in your name. There was no work necessary. And then, and then on top of that, I had to check a bag. And so they said it was going to be 20 bucks, which, where they do that at, but whatever. They said it was going to be 20 bucks. So I went to give them cash, and they said, oh, we don't take cash. I said, it's cash. They said, no, we don't take cash. It's got to be a credit card. And so 
Or no, you know what? I was trying to use my credit card, and they said you had to t- pay cash, and that's what it was. That's what it was. So they wouldn't they wouldn't let me use my credit card to pay for my flight. That's right. So the guy behind me that eventually walked in and saw me angry was like, oh, here, I, I'll, I'll get it covered for you. And I was like, no, you don't have to. Like, I have the money. They just won't let me use my credit card. So <laughs> This guy. Yeah, exactly. So then I looked like a bum, and I was late, and, and a I, bad father. I like how you're going through all this, but there's like they hadn't told you yet that you're not going to be able to go on the plane? Right. Oh yeah, we're gonna need that twenty dollars. We need that twenty dollars. I don't oh, care so who it angry. comes from. We need twenty dollars. I was so cash. angry. That was the worst trip I ever had. Do the do the flap of the. All right, checks out. This is real twenty. Yeah, you can't get on the flight anyways. And then <laughs> when I came back, no BS. This doesn't happen to anyone but me. When I came back, my 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 luggage got stuck in Dallas. So I landed in Central Texas and it got stuck in Dallas. And so I'm standing there, and I'm the last of the Mohicans standing there in front of the the conveyor belt to get my bag. And there ain't a bag on in, in sight. And I was like, hey, you got another bag back there? And they said, nope, <laughs> we sure don't. I was like, well, where's my bag? Oh, I probably got stuck in Dallas. Well, how did you just know that? Well, you know, there was a couple bags that we were looking at. We weren't sure if they were supposed to be on this flight or not. Well, you didn't think to double check? So then I had left, and I had to come all the way back to get my bag like an hour and a half later when the next flight came in from Dallas. That was the worst trip ever. I've never used that airport again. Ever. Ever. He's so mad he's not even going to say your name and give you the free pub. No, it was some janky airport (laughs) in Central Texas. Little small airport. I think we have as many planes as they do out in the parking lot. And we ain't got no planes in the parking lot. Tells you all you need to know. 2.56 is the time. Come back. Kick off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness. Going to calm my nerves a little bit. (laughs) Try to get back to... To what we're supposed to be doing, the task at hand. Going to start off uh, hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness with cover three. NFL news and notes of the day. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.